What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Friday, September 16th. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi, and this is What a Day, recommending that you accompany this podcast with the sense of some of the new fall products from your local grocery store. I have to confess, Priyanka, I do not like the scent of fall. The Uh-oh. cinnamon, the nutmeg, the pumpkin Uh-oh. spice. No, thank you. I'm sorry, I'm taking out my headphones. I can't listen to this. <laughs> On today's show, the boil water notice has finally been lifted in Jackson, Mississippi. Plus, rapper Cardi B accepted a plea deal for her role in a strip club brawl. But first, we wanted to update you on a story that we have been closely watching. So early yesterday morning, the White House announced a tentative agreement with freight railroad companies and the unions representing rail workers. So Travel, can you bring us up to speed here? Yeah, so as we mentioned on the show yesterday, the engineers and conductors who run the nation's freight trains have had it with their rigid work schedules. And even after two and a half years of working through the pandemic, they say they still can't take time off for sick or personal days. After years of ongoing contract negotiations, things came to a head in recent months, and workers were planning to strike by today, which would have had catastrophic consequences for our economy. Right. And this deal impacts more than 100,000 rail workers. As part of it, they'll get a 24% pay increase for a five-year period from 2020 to 2024, along with some other incentives, though they will only get one additional paid day off. So what do the workers have to say about this? Yeah, it's kind of getting some mixed reactions, and ultimately, union members need to sign off on it. But President Biden hailed it as a victory when he spoke from the Rose Garden yesterday. With unemployment still near record lows and signs of progress and lowering costs, this agreement allows us to continue to rebuild a better America with an economy that truly works for working people and their families. Today is a win, and I mean it sincerely, a win for America. In the meantime, the strike has been called off. There's obviously more work to be done, and we'll be sure to keep following this. Definitely. Uh, In other big news, though, two prominent red state governors, Ron DeSantis of Florida and Greg Abbott of Texas, are continuing to play politics with the lives of migrants trying to enter this country. So on Wednesday, DeSantis paid to fly 50 migrants, most of whom are believed to be from Venezuela, from San Antonio, Texas to Martha's Vineyard, which is an island off the coast of Massachusetts, and just left them there. Not to be outdone, Abbott sent two buses of migrants from Texas to right by Vice President Kamala Harris's house in Washington, D.C., Which, all of this, I want to be clear, is absolutely absurd. It's crazy. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Do we have any idea why they did this? So these two governors, along with Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, have been busing or flying migrants to sanctuary cities for months to protest the Biden administration's policies on immigration. But they haven't been doing it to random locations with zero notice, like in these cases. So... Just so you all understand the extent of the cruelty here. 
First of all, the migrants who ended up in Martha's Vineyard were reportedly told that their flights were going to Boston and that if they got on the flight, they would get expedited access to work authorization. Boston is a big city with much more infrastructure to receive people, much easier for people to get around to other places where friends and family might live. Very different from Martha's Vineyard. So nobody on the ground in Martha's Vineyard even knew that these migrants were going to show up. So they had to scramble at the last minute after they were already there to even receive them. In Greg Abbott's case, he's been sending buses of migrants to D.C. since April. But those buses usually go to Union Station, where volunteers are there to receive them. They can help out. They can also travel to other places. This time, he sent those buses close to Kamala Harris's home. I think that's like four-ish miles away. By his logic, she is in charge of the border. That is why he did that. And he just left them out on the streets in this residential neighborhood, kind of just in the middle to figure out where they were. They had no idea where they were, obviously. Neither did the groups who usually receive those buses. So beyond packing people up and shipping them wherever they really wanted to, these governors deliberately chose to not tell anybody so there'd be nobody there to help them out. It's crazy. And that makes it like even worse. Like the idea that you're just like sending people to these other cities is already to the middle of you nowhere. Know, yeah. Bad. But then now you're not like telling people so that they can have whatever support and help on the other end is particularly cruel. So right. tell us a little bit about what is happening on the ground now. Are these people safe? Are they getting the help they need? So according to the League of United Latin American Citizens, Two of the migrants on the buses that stopped in Harris's neighborhood had to be hospitalized when they arrived, so not good. Fortunately, in Martha's Vineyard, the community rallied to help these people out. They pushed together beds in a local church. They tried their best to assemble Spanish-speaking volunteers, like going so far as to get kids who are in AP Spanish in the local high school to come help out. They provided meals, healthcare, but I mean... It didn't have to happen in this scrambled, last-minute, frenzied way. Like, this is all a result of how these Republican governors chose to do this. Right. What was their goal here? Why did this happen in the first place? They're doing this ahead of the midterms. It's a political stunt. They're trying to play into the anti-immigrant sentiment that is apparently par for the course for the GOP base these days. But with really tangible human costs. And it might actually end up having legal ones for these governors as well. So yesterday, California Governor Gavin Newsom requested that the DOJ open an investigation into possible criminal or civil rights violations. Especially in the case of the flight from San Antonio to Martha's Vineyard, these people were being told that they were going to Boston, that they were going to get expedited work permits. All of that was a lie. So we don't know what will happen there, but we'll obviously keep you updated as soon as we learn more. Absolutely. And speaking of xenophobic and racist sentiment, a recently released study about Muslim representation on TV reports that even though Muslims make up a quarter of the world's population, they only represent about 1% of characters in popular television series. The study is titled Erased or Extremist, The Stereotypical View of Muslims in Popular Episodic Series, and it comes from the University of Southern California's Annenberg Inclusion Initiative. This is the entity that's been doing a lot of studies on diversity, equity, and inclusion in Hollywood over the last few years. Now, there are two things that stuck out to me about this study, Priyanka. The first is that it's a follow-up to a different report from the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative that looked at Muslim representation in film from last summer. And basically, both studies say the same things, that Muslim folks are grossly underrepresented and, equally important to note, misrepresented when they are on screen. I believe it. Here's one stat. The TV study found 
that out of the 98 Muslim characters with speaking roles, more than 30% of them were portrayed as perpetrators of violence. Sounding very, very familiar. I mean, think about the TV that you watch and how Muslim people are portrayed in those shows. And is it positive? Probably not for the most part. What else stood out to you about this? The second thing was that this study came out just before the anniversary of 9-11 this year, which is of note because, to me, so much of the anti-Muslim sentiment that comes from the lack of representation that we're seeing and the fact that what little representation there is relies on stereotypes, all of that can be traced back to how the U.S. collectively responded to those attacks 21 years ago. So earlier this week, I spoke with Al-Bab Khan. She's the lead author of the Erased or Extremist Study. I started by asking her about the impact of 9-11 on the current state of representation of Muslim folks in pop culture. You know, a lot of the research that we did when we were even thinking about how we were going to build this study, you know, we saw that there was a lot of literature about pre-9-11 and post-9-11 representation of Muslims. We saw that even across like older films and TVs, there was still this idea of the Muslim Arab, you know, with the terrorists who's in the deserts, right? In this sensationalized way that is not relevant anymore. And I think now is, yes, we're seeing more effort in the conversations that are being made about Muslim representation, but we're still seeing a lot of those tropes exist 20, 21 years later. You know, I came to America around the time of 9-11, right? And my family itself was also surveyed by the Patriot Act. And so understanding the entire implications of the policies that were made around the Muslim community is being translated on film when we're talking about American history itself, right? We see the Hurt Locker. We see Zero Dark Thirty. These are monumental moments in American history but what side are you saying it from? So to me, it's very personal because I think Islamophobia is not something that was a phase. I think it's still very clear that it exists in different ways, especially when we think about the stories that are being said, the opinions that people had. We're not taking away a tragedy that affected millions and millions of Americans and millions of people all over the world. But we wanted to kind of emphasize that, hey, we are a community that is so dynamic, that is so nuanced in the way that we exist, that it's important that storytelling emphasizes that and starts to share those experiences as well. Gotcha. So now the study that you're the lead author of, it calls what we're seeing or not seeing, as it were, an epidemic of invisibility as it relates to Muslim storytelling. Talk to me about that use of language and what the implications are of an epidemic of invisibility. That was a phrase that was coined by our founder, Dr. Stacy Smith. She had defined it as when we see a group or a community like completely excluded at all levels of storytelling or in the industry, right? When we see a group that is excluded from casting positions or directing or producing roles or even being, you know, prevented from having their voice in the writer's room, right? These are the types of voices that help shape the type of narrative that is on screen. And so when we see this epidemic of invisibility for, you know, especially the Muslim community right now, it has really extreme consequences for not only on-screen representation, but also for off-screen representation for the people that aren't being able to be listened to behind the camera, right? And saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't portray this community this way. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I know for me, I do a lot of work around the Black community, queer and trans stories. And we talk about how so often the things we see on screen turn into like real life trauma or harm when that representation isn't nuanced. Could you talk a bit about kind of the actual harm that Muslim communities worldwide, right, experience based on the problematic storytelling that we're seeing? 
The consequences that it has on the real world is extremely devastating to see um, because when they are represented, you know, we see them in such a monolithic way. We see them such stereotype. They're consistently linked to violence. And what we've seen from previous studies is media violence, right, on justified aggression. And we see that the dominant form of information is, you know, the media that audiences consume. Seeing such poor representation of a community that makes up a quarter of the world population reinforces this notion of intolerance. It's reinforcing this idea that, hey, when they're linked to violence or we're seeing them in antiquated roles or tropes, then that means that our behaviors and actions in the real world are to some degree justified. That type of um, attitude and prejudice influences policies or influencing decisions about how we let those communities into our country. That influences how we even interact with this community. And that actually has real world effects with the Muslim children that are growing up in America or even when they're growing up in other Western countries. One of the lines that stuck out to me from the study was this note about how Muslim folk are a faith-based community that encompasses not only a religious identity, but also marginalized racial and ethnic groups. I know from some of the shows and films that I've watched that this complexity, right, isn't always rendered on screen. We don't even see queer and trans Muslims existing on TV or in films, and we know that they exist in real life, right? What for you is the imperative of having more varied Muslim characters and stories in movies and on TV? When you have people, you know, from any community shown in such a dynamic way, it makes people who are part of those groups and who have that type of, you know, complexity to their own identity feel included. Especially if they're in a part of a community that maybe hasn't caught up to the progression yet, being able to see that representation on screen can make them feel like, okay, no, it is okay for me to identify this way. From our study, we saw that, you know, across like over 8,000 speaking characters, there was only one uh, Muslim character that we identified as being presented as LGBT. We know that there's more Muslims that identify as queer or trans or who are part of these communities. So not even being able to see one your own community, but also being able to not see your own experience across different identities as well is, I think, very limiting. And it, again, it really excludes an entire experience that people may be sharing all over the world. Absolutely. What steps do you hope the entertainment industry is going to take, you know, now that, you know, you all have done this study and noted the disparities? We know that representation behind the camera directly affects the type of representation that exists on camera, right? You know, when we want to say that, hey, have better representation of Muslims, have better portrayals. Well, who are the people that are making those decisions? And what we saw that it wasn't Muslims at all, right? I think when we looked at 17 of the U.S. shows that had Muslim characters in our sample, it was less than like 10. I think it was even about three of the shows that had a Muslim director, writer, producer, you know, behind the camera helping make the decisions. I think that's our biggest thing is getting Muslims behind the camera, giving them the opportunity across every level of the pipeline to help make those decisions, to help guide the storylines, to help guide the decisions that need to be made. So that way, what we see on screen can make us think that, yes, I know that, you know, someone from that community or someone who has strong familiarity from that community helped create that story. Priyanka, that was my interview with Al-Bab Khan of the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative. We will link to her study in the show notes. And that is the latest for now. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. 
Russian President Vladimir Putin met with his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping yesterday at a regional security conference in Uzbekistan. It was the first time the two allies met face-to-face since Russia invaded Ukraine, and it also marked Xi's first trip outside of China since the beginning of COVID. Needless to say, they had a lot to catch up on, and Putin vaguely alluded to what he called Beijing's, quote, balanced position toward the situation in Ukraine. That's basically a nice way of saying China's looking at Russia like they're that one messy friend who always ends up losing their shoes after a night out. In any event, it's clear that with all the setbacks Russia is dealing with in Ukraine, Putin really needs Beijing's help right now more than ever. Later today, President Biden plans to meet with the families of WNBA star Brittany Griner and former Marine Paul Whelan for the first time in person. They are both being held in Russia. Griner was sentenced to nine years in a prison camp for drug charges, and Whelan, who was accused of espionage, was sentenced to 16 years. The Biden administration has repeatedly said that it is working to secure their release, but we haven't heard about any substantial proposals since July. You know, Dennis Rodman, you know, says he's also, you know, trying to get Brittany Griner back. It's all hands on deck, apparently. Yeah, the people who need to be on it are on it. Absolutely. According to this headline. (laughs) State officials in Mississippi yesterday finally lifted the boil water advisory for residents in the city of Jackson after it had been in place for almost seven weeks. The advisory said tap water must be boiled before it was safe to drink or even used for cooking, brushing teeth, and washing dishes. This comes after an ongoing water crisis caused by damaged infrastructure and heavy flooding from rain last month. But health officials warned there may still be high copper and lead levels in the city's water, and the state's governor said there's still work to be done. A bipartisan group of lawmakers announced yesterday that they will wait until after the November midterms to vote on federal same-sex marriage protections. This delay is great news for Republicans, many of whom would have had to put themselves on the record in opposition to a measure with broad support nationwide just a couple months before we all head to vote. Meanwhile, Democrats said that they will have a better chance of passing legislation after the election. But, and this is a very important but, Their chances will basically go to zero if they lose control of the Senate. So please, dear God, vote, everybody. Yes, y'all. Y'all got to go and get out now. Make sure you're registered and make sure you vote. Fans of Cardi B's performance in the movie Hustlers may never get a sequel, but here's a new story that has similar themes. She pleaded guilty yesterday to assault charges related to a fight she allegedly started at a New York City strip club. The incident occurred back in 2018, and it involved two bartenders, one of whom Cardi claimed was having an affair with her husband Offset. As part of Cardi's plea deal, 10 other charges against her were dropped, and she avoided prison time, but she was sentenced to 15 days of community service, which which I'm praying she will spend with us at Vote Save America. Yeah, what a great option we have provided. Also, who says we might not get a sequel to Hustlers? A fantastic film. I'd love a sequel. <laughs> Absolutely. What a time. Usher walking into the strip club to his own song will like forever be <laughs> an iconic moment. <laughs> And sometimes all it takes to see things from a new perspective is for your old views to stop being politically convenient. Just over one day after winning the Republican primary for U.S. Senate in New Hampshire, MAGA man Don Bolduck disowned claims he previously made that the 2020 election was stolen by President Biden. 
This pivot came as leading GOP figures had expressed concern that his extreme views about election fraud and other topics would allow incumbent Democrat Maggie Hassan to crush him in the general election. Here is Bolduck yesterday on Fox after months of consistent election denial, demonstrating the art of the backpedal. We, uh, you know, live and learn, right? And I've done a lot of research on this, and I've spent Uh-oh. the past couple of weeks talking to Granite Staters all over the state uh, from you know, every party. And I have come to the conclusion, and I want to be definitive on this. The election was not stolen. Mm. Oh, now now you want to say the election ain't stolen. Girl boss, how are you getting that conclusion from talking to voters around the state? Like, what <laughs> evidence is that giving you? Like, you just decided that wasn't people's opinion? These people don't be making no kind of sense. None. None. Y'all better watch out who y'all voting for, okay? And those are the headlines. We'll be back after some ads to discuss an Animal Planet star being drafted to replace the queen in an important role. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash wad today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash wad. 
It's Friday Wad Squad, and today we're relying on our years of experience as investment professionals for a segment called Wad Money. Yes, it's pronounced Wad for this. For purposes of rhyming with mad money, you'll get over it. It'll be fine. Today's news comes to us from the land down under, where a new face will soon be showing up in everybody's wallet. Australia's National Bank announced soon after the death of Queen Elizabeth that her son, King Charles, will take her place on the $5 bill. It'll be a while before the official debut of Chuck Bucks, as I'm calling them, <laughs> but already some are suggesting alternatives to King Charles on their money, including a man beloved by Australians and feared by crocs, the crocodile hunter himself, Steve Irwin. OneChange.org petition collected 30,000 signatures, arguing that Irwin should be on the bill instead of Charles. Others online suggested Heath Ledger. He apparently is from Australia as well. You learn something new every day. We learn day. so much. But Priyanka, what's your take on this from a personal and financial perspective? They probably could have left it the queen and there wouldn't have been an issue. But you can't go changing it to Charles? Are you kidding me? Someone who is like universally unpopular and like hated by everybody? You can't go do that in 2022. Like absolutely no. Of course this is happening to them. It wouldn't have happened. Probably no one would have said a word if it had just stayed Queen Elizabeth. But that's what they get. Travel. what is your take on this? You know, I'm just like focused on the fact that like everyone seems so like hellbent over, you know, human beings being on the money. Why don't they put a kangaroo? A kangaroo. Absolutely. Love that. Listen, great minds think alike, okay? <laughs> Why not put that wonderful, We got some ideas for your absolutely. petition. <laughs> put that marsupial on your money. It'll be fine. You'll never have to change it, okay? Yeah. Which seems more economical to me. Kangaroo is never getting canceled. Nothing's ever coming <laughs> out that they did. You're fine. You're fine. Well, that was WAD money. For legal purposes, we have to say that our financial expertise is still mostly aspirational. FYI. <laughs> so be safe, okay? One more thing before we go. Monday is the state funeral for Queen Elizabeth II. We'll talk about who will be there and who won't on our next show. In the meantime, check out Pod Save the World's bonus episode about the Queen's life and legacy as host Ben Rhodes sits down with historian Dan Snow for a deep dive into her place in British history. It's available right now and new episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, renounce your old bad views, and tell your friends to listen. <laughs> and if you're into reading and not just Steve Irwin's name on the Australian dollar, like me, what a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Travel Anderson. And, and phone, phone bank with, with us, Cardi B. B. Listen, this is a great way to do your community service, okay? We know you're politically active. You can get people out. Yeah. And she's probably already phone banking. But I mean, just join us and it'll be great. Absolutely. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka.
As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. With my busy life, I use shipped same-day delivery to keep up. When I need a jar of extra creamy peanut butter delivered, I know my personal shopper Amber will come through. And if it's not on the shelf, she asks them to check the bag. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at shipped.com.